Well, happy Sunday. It's good to see you guys. Yes. I actually heard frogs the other day. Uh, these weren't frozen, but they were, and they probably croaked, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I actually heard frogs the other day outside, and I'm like going, you guys, man, your timing isn't quite right. You need to wait a little bit. But apparently one of them got out there and said, there's no competition. And he just started croaking in his little tree frog way. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. This morning we're going to be talking about a living sacrifice. You're going to hear that term, a living sacrifice, over and over today. Okay. Now either that's going to make you happy or it's not going to make you happy. But either way, we're going to hear it. Because this is what Christ is calling us to do, is to be a living sacrifice. I do not have slides this morning. I do apologize. That's not Jem's fault. It's mine. Um, so I'll just call out the scripture verses and grab your Bible in front of you. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. Uh, and so it'll, it'll match what you guys got out there. But let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Amen. So, we want to be like Jesus. We fell in love with Jesus. We were attracted to God's goodness. And Jesus created a way to where we could come together with God. And now that we are with Jesus, we want to become like Jesus. And, I mean, we could literally talk for the next six months about what that looks like. But this scripture verse does a really good job of kind of summing it up. Because as Jesus was a servant, we become a servant. As Jesus becomes the healer, God heals people through us. This morning, we learned that as well. But we're going to focus on some of the terms in this scripture verse today. Um, and this is a bodily sacrifice. We're going to offer our bodies as a sacrifice. So this is a bodily sacrifice. means that you and I are willing to die for Jesus. Now, through the years since Jesus ascended to be with the Father, there have been hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who have actually died for Jesus. And the, not all of us are called to die for Jesus, but we need to be willing to do that. I mean, when you love someone so much, you know, that, that's that old joke, you know, the, the Husband says to the wife, I'd take a bullet for you. And the wife then jokes, yeah, you say that, but you never do it, right? But, I mean, when you love someone, you are willing to literally die for them because that's what love is. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. 
You think I'm saying it for your benefit. I'm repeating it because I need to remember where I'm going. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Forever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And when we first come to Christ and we come across this scripture verse, it's a real head scratcher. What in the world is he talking about? In order for me to have life, I have to die. So Jesus is not speaking literally, but in some cases we might. He's talking figuratively, taking our life and being willing to die for him. Let's go forward in Luke to Luke chapter 22, verse 33. Luke 22. 33. Uh, this is Simon Peter. Apparently there's a demon in your phone, Jerry. <laughs> but he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you even know me. <laughs> you can go ahead and go out and shut it off. We'll, we'll be here when you get back. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> it's reading his scripture verses for him. See, thousands of millions of people have actually had to die for Jesus. Thousands, if not millions of people, have had to go to prison for Jesus. And why is that? Because Jesus told them, he said, you shouldn't be confused and you shouldn't be surprised. If they would do this to the green tree, what are they going to do to the brown? Meaning, if they did that to Jesus, and you know of his horrific death, then you know that they're going to do this to the body of Christ as well. So we need to be willing to sacrifice our physical body for Christ. Now, he may not call us on it, and he might. We don't know. The second part is a living sacrifice for Christ, which is actually the more difficult of the two. A willing sacrifice of a, of a living sacrifice means we live for Jesus. Now, at first, it seems like, yeah, okay, I'm living and I have Jesus in my life. That's great. But this is a lot more deeper than we would think. He wants our life to be sacrificed for him, just like Jesus sacrificed his life for us, okay, through faith. He wants uh, our behavior to be sacrificed for him. He, he wants, um, it doesn't, you know, oftentimes when you think of behavior, you think of the things that you have to give up. What do I got to give up in order to be for God? <clears throat> God is not focusing so much on what you have to give up. He's more concerned about what you are going to do than what you're not going to do, right? A living sacrifice means that we are living for God, that, he, that every single action that we take in our bodies are for God, that we live this life as a sacrifice. Now, we're familiar in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was usually an animal that was killed to replace a person and the death that they deserved. And that also was a sacrifice. Think about this, right? If you're really hungry and you go to McDonald's, well, maybe not McDonald's, but if, if you go to a place where you can get a nice burger, right, would you take that burger and then put it in the dumpster? 
No, you bought it for a reason. And the same with the Old Testament animals. That was their livelihood. That's what they needed. So when God asked for a sacrifice, a portion of it, the person, the family was able to eat. A portion of it, the priests would eat, and the rest went up in smoke. Okay? Did God do that because he liked the smell of burning sheep? I mean, sheep smells good when you're roasting it, doesn't it? Yeah. No, God didn't need to have that. He called it an, a, a pleasing aroma. Why? Because he likes the smell of a barbecue? No, it's the, the willingness of our heart to set aside something that we want for us and give it to God. This is what a living sacrifice means. Living our lives not just for what we want to do, but for what God wants us to do. The third part that we're talking about today in living sacrifice is it is our spiritual act of worship. So we're going to kind of talk about spiritual worship really quick. The first part, spirit, uh, in Greek is making reference to not only your mind, but also to your spirit that's behind your mind. So it's a thinking thing. So God is calling us to turn over our minds to him as well. Not allowing our minds to become just whatever we want to think about all the time, but what God is interested in. Uh, there's nothing secular about this. Secular meaning away from God. Our entire minds and our, our, our core of who we are, what, how we want to be living for God, that has to be focused to him this morning. So let's turn now to 1 Corinthians. Go forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, Honor God with your bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we'll read verses 4 and 5. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Marriage is a perfect example of this. Okay? We don't need to get into the specifics, but we enjoy each other's company. All right? And if we start playing political games with our bodies, with our spouses, it creates disharmony. It doesn't create unity. Well, what if we do this with God? We offer our bodies, our minds, and our spirits to God. We don't pull it back. Okay, now it's good. This is a good time. No, no, it's not a good time. Because that creates disharmony between us and God. And how much the Holy Spirit is in our presence all the time. We're not, you know, there's not a thing that we do that God doesn't see, God doesn't know. And he loves us through that whole opportunity, that whole time. If we truly want to follow Jesus, then our thoughts are constantly on how we can serve others, because this is exactly what Jesus did. In Mark chapter 10, we saw that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The last, the fourth point that we're going to be covering this morning when it talks to offering our bodies as a living sacrifice has to do with our motivation, 
offering our motivation to God as a part of this sacrifice. What is it that gets us going? Why are we doing what we're doing? You know, there are some very, very, very talented people in this world, and they have lived their lives motivated for the praise of them by others, right? That's their motivation. So uh, you can use a 1970s rock band, for example, right? These guys were worshipped as gods, little g, during the 70s. People paid thousands of dollars to go hear their music, and, and that was their motivation. But now in Christ, what is our motivation? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we serve others? And the answer is because when we serve others, God is able to serve others through us. And that's exactly what he does. God is an awesome provider, and he's always taking care of us. Uh, let's take a look in 2 Corinthians now, chapter 5, about this motivation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 14 and 15. For, the, for Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was also raised again. Wow. You know, verse 15, did I miss one? No, I got it all. Yeah. The reason why we live our, our lives for others, the reason why we live our lives to help serve others and to love on others is because this is what gives us the most joy. When we're obeying the Spirit of God in our lives, His Spirit brings joy into our lives. Now, we might not be happy during that time, and let's not confuse joy with happiness. Joy is like happiness that's spiritual, Okay. A joy is what a little kid has on, on uh, Christmas morning, right? You can understand that uncontrollable happiness that comes out of every single part of our body. And so if we find ourselves not having joy, now I'm not talking about feelings here. It's a knowing, a happiness knowing because of the Spirit of God living in us and us being in union. If we find that we don't have that joy, then maybe we have to refocus on, am I sacrificing my life for God? Or at this moment, is it all about me? Now, I'm not here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that I practice this perfectly. Oh, you know that. You know that I don't. But it is my goal to offer my life as a living sacrifice to Christ every day. It's, it is God's love and kindness towards us that, is in, that influences us to be more like him to be more like his son. And, uh, excuse me, the only response that we can have to love that is logical is love. If you think about that for a second, when someone treats you with love and you don't respond back that same way, it's illogical. You scratch your head and go, what? I don't understand why that happened. You know, when you treat people with love, the logical response is for people to love back. And it is a compelling, captivating way that fear and punishment can never be. You can motivate people with love so much more than with fear and intimidation. Because love is just 
always so very powerful. And there is a clear distinction between relating to God and, and through the law and having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Totally different. One, you know, in the Old Testament, fear. New Testament, love. Now, in the Old Testament, we could have lived our lives with love to God, but that's not the way it seemed to be. We were afraid of. And so as a Christian in the church, we last couple of weeks we talked about evangelizing, bringing people into Christ. The new person coming into Christ has to learn this stuff, and they have to go through this process as well, as we do too. Okay, learning how to listen to the Spirit of God, learning how to sacrifice our personal wants and desires for the sake of God. Otherwise, what do we become? We become almost a schizophrenic type of a person where on Sunday we have the mind of Christ, but on Monday we don't. We're not of whole mind and heart and in our spirit. And as a result of that, uh, our lives just seem to be very confusing. So in conclusion this morning, the living is the sacrifice. The living is the sacrifice. Yes, God may call some of us to die for him, but the living is the sacrifice. Is it not much harder to live for Jesus than to just die once for Jesus? You know, so here we are when this worship service is finished and you decide you want to go out and get some breakfast this morning is how are we going to respond to what Paul is urging us to do? Okay, uh, the living is the sacrifice. When you get there and you start getting your food, are you going to allow God to direct your thinking and consider how to serve those around you while you are being served? Because the living is the sacrifice. When you're in public and you go to the gas station today to get gas, will you give every thought to contacting that person in a way that Christ is calling you to contact them, to communicate with them, to love them through the process, to, to teach them that it's okay to be a friend in our modern-day world. The living is the sacrifice. When the people that you ser are serving you, or whether it's gas or getting food, are they going to hear your speech? Are they going to think of God? Or are they going to think of the opposite this morning? I pray that it is thinking for God. Okay. Uh, let all who are under the yoke of slavery regard their masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be defamed. That's First Timothy chapter six, verse one. You see, the living for God is the sacrifice. Are you? Are we going to keep our minds on what God wants us to do? Are we going to allow God to be our motivation, the reason why we do things? Uh, are we going to do that just while we worship God with music? Or can we do that also when there is no music and everyone around us is grumpy? So I beg you, brothers and sisters, to put your whole life on the altar to God. He does not want your death except when it, it's needed for his glory. But he wants your living. He, the living is the sacrifice. So please, go forth and represent Christ this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your truth is above all else. There is no one like you. We don't need to be afraid that we can trust you. You have never steered us wrong. Please help us this morning, Lord, to go 
and to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because you are our Savior, we want you also to be our Lord, our Master. We love you, and we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.